0: If you would, meet me at Mark chapter 11 as we continue on in this gospel that um, if you read through it, you see that it doesn't waste any time or doesn't waste any words. We're in Mark 11, so be sure you um, have a copy of the scriptures in front of you. I want to make sure that we're keeping each other accountable, making sure that I'm reading the right thing, right? So would you stand as we read this together? Mark 11, starting in verse 12 and going through verse 26. This is the word of the Lord. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. "'And he said to it, "'May no one ever eat fruit from you again.' "'And his disciples heard it. "'And they came to Jerusalem. "'And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold "'and those who, brought in, who bought in the temple "'and overturned the tables of the money changers "'and the seats of those who sold pigeons. "'And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple.' And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw, a fig tree, saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And some of your versions have verse 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. So as you're reading through this and following along, which I hope you are, um, because when you look at it as well as hear it, there's a, it comes at you from two different directions for you to be able to absorb it all the better. There's some pieces in here that may look very different from how we may imagine Jesus to operate. And we'll look at why he is doing that in just a moment. But, you know, anytime we need to look at how something functions, it's always good to go to the one that made it. If you have a problem with a car then you have a little book that's in your car that you can open up and look to at least know what's going on, maybe able to be able to help you to be able to fix it, or you at least can find some people to fix it that know what they're doing, whether it's a car, whether it's your body, uh, whether it's a lawnmower, you want to make sure, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you are looking at how something is supposed to function. Sometimes it can be a harmless thing because every so often these reels that come through on Facebook or some of these things that come through on YouTube, um, sometimes we misuse the original design and it's harmless. I didn't realize that when it came to like an oven, there's a drawer that's at the bottom. A lot of us use it for storage, at least we do, but it, it was originally intended to be to, for your food to warm and it be protected, Get it, keep it away from, from Junior, keep it away from the dog. You could actually put it in there and let it cool off. And it's, it's not, it wasn't originally intended for storage, even though that's how we, how we tend to use it. That little tab that's on your Coke can. So some of you just pop it and then drink it, or some of you maybe take the, the tab off. But it's supposed to be spun around to put a straw in, to keep the straw where it needs to be. And, I, you know, I didn't know that. You know, I was today years old when I, when I learned that. It was, it, but that. But that's harmless, But if you try to drive a nail in with a banana or you try to drive a nail in with your fist, that's not how that's supposed to work. And so that can be very, very harmful. And so what Jesus is doing here is giving us um, a parable at first, and then he's showing what the parable is all about. The reason that this sermon is titled, Don't Let the Leaves Fool You, Is because when you're looking at this first portion here in verses twelve to fourteen, you know, Jesus from a long way away was looking at this fig tree that had a lot of leaves. And that looked like that, well, that means that there's something good that's going to come out of this. With where there's leaves, there's fruit. And yet as he was rifling through the, the, the particular tree, he saw no fruit. And so what that's going to be is a live action parable. And so this live action parable is going to lead us to a live action teaching where Jesus with the parable he's not just going to sit and tell a story he's showing a story here he's not in, in when he's cleansing the temple he's not just going to sit and give words he's going to give a, a, he's going to give one of those object lessons in one of the most severe ways so he's working and showing us what kind of fruit do you have are you just leaves Or is there something more that's coming out of it? Because we can look like as Christians, as church folks, we can look like we're bearing a lot of fruit, but we could be just nothing but leaves. The fact is, is that Jesus is going to be exposing the type of fruit that we have, the fruit of our faith or the lack thereof. And when he says something, he means it. He takes this very, very seriously. And so when he's given us his word, let's make sure that we are following through. So he does this again by using a live action parable and a live action teaching to help us to have a live action faith. Well, let's look at verses 12 to 14 once again, and look at this parable here. So on the following day, the following day of what? Well, right before he had just gone into Jerusalem, triumphal entry, everybody was shouting and screaming, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were excited because this Jesus looked like a rescuer that was going to rescue them from the the tyranny of Rome, and they were sick of this political tyranny that's going on. They wanted some freedom. They were missing the point of the type of salvation that Jesus was going to provide at this point. One day he will, by the way. When he returns, he's going to shove all of those political entities that are shaking their fist against him into the sea, ours included. No one's exempt. And so he's, he's now on the following day. And it's interesting because, and we didn't talk about this a lot last week, but in verse 11, it says, and he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. It says he went into the temple and he was looking around. And when he had looked around at everything, it was already late and he went out to Bethany with the 12. I don't know if he was casing the joint because he was thinking about what was getting ready to happen, what he was getting ready to do. But what was happening here had been happening for a long, long time. And Jesus had finally had enough. And so he's trying to prep the disciples, if you will. He's trying to let them know that something is afoot. Something is about to happen. And so he goes up and it says that when he came into Bethany, he was hungry. I have just gotten acquainted with the word hangry. Are you familiar with that word, hangry? Where you get a little irritated? Preacher goes a little too long. You may have eaten at five o'clock in the morning, and you're like, "I need lunch now. I need lunch now." Things are happening. Could you please just just wrap it up? Well, that's why they put that big clock up there in the corner with the big red letters, and you know what? Or big red numbers. You know what those numbers mean? Absolutely nothing, right? So, <laughs> so we're going on. No, they mean something. I watch, right? I had an old preacher tell me one time, make sure you quit talking before they quit listening. Yeah, everybody take a look at that clock. It's right up there. Some of you are already looking. I give you permission. And now we're done. And so we go on. And so he was, he was hungry. So that reminds us that Jesus was a full human being. Later on, we're going to talk about how he's fully divine as well. But he was a human being. He was hungry. He thirsted. He, he, he needed rest. He died. He died. We see so many things about Jesus when he stands in our place. He's fully human, and he was hungry, and so. It, but it looks like he's hangry because this seems so odd to see Jesus. When I first read through this, I'm like, why would he take this out on this poor, unsuspecting fig tree that was out of season for figs and say, whammo, you can't do this anymore. You cannot bear, the disciples are looking on, may may fruit never grow out of you again. I mean, that seems unfair. If the fig tree had feelings, that would seem very unfair to the fig tree. But it's like, there's this thing that's going on. And, but what was going on? Well, what Jesus was doing was setting something up for another thing that really seemed out of character for Jesus here. It seemed out of character for Jesus when he was about ready to go into the temple. Do what he was doing. But we've got to be careful about this. We've got to look to see, really, again, what kind of fruit we are bearing. We can love Jesus. We can love the church. We can love everybody that attends. We can like all the systems that are in place. It brings us a sense of comfort. It brings us a sense of security. Everything else in the world is changing. Boy, I like it when this doesn't change. Boy, we just need something that's steady. It's the word that doesn't change. There may be other ways that we go about it, but it's the word that doesn't change. Don't forget that. And, And sometimes it throws us off. And what we could be really thinking about is just the leaves. We've got to be thinking about what kind of fruit. Jesus, Jesus said, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, but in John 15, verses 5 to 8, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, abides in me, lives in me, dwells in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The fig tree looked like it was functioning. It wasn't. It wasn't bearing fruit. And and in fact, with fig trees, sometimes the leaves stick around long after the fruit. I don't want that for me. I don't want the leaves, the, the the looking of the leaves to stick around long after the fruit's there. We've got to evaluate ourselves. We've got to evaluate our church. We've got to evaluate everything. Because when Jesus is going into here, I don't want you to look at what Jesus is talking about and saying, wow, those those religious leaders, boy, they really got it. Boy, those those religious folks, they really got it. Go after him. Jesus. Please understand that Jesus may also be looking at us regarding the same thing. So what's this live action teaching that's going on here? Well, you look at verse 15 and it says this, and they came to Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, if this was one of those where it had the organ playing in the back, it would be dum-dum-dum because dum, dum. It would, it would, it's ominous. Jesus going to Jerusalem is never a good thing. The disciples know it, he knows it. It's not it's never going to it's not going to turn out at least the fleshly wise. It's not going to turn out well, but it had to be done. Jesus kept telling his disciples over and over, I must go to Jerusalem. And it was on our behalf that he did this. So when you see Jesus doing this, don't just think about, well, wow, Jesus, what are you doing? You're really setting yourself up for something bad. Think about this. This is what had to happen in order to save us. All of these things had to be put in place in order to save us and to make us disciples and to give us strength to obey. He came into Jerusalem. Well, look at what he's doing here. It's always good to look at the verbs, the action words if your if your bible is open in front of you you see it the words that are there it says here and he entered the temple i love this about jesus you love that he entered the temple no i love this about jesus he didn't sneak into jerusalem he didn't go in the back door he didn't sit where people wouldn't see him He sat. He went in right up front. He went in the front door. He didn't go in unnoticed. He wanted to make sure everybody noticed because he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. He overturned the table of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now, why bring out pigeons? Hang on there. Put a tack in it. We'll get to that. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. So Jesus is serious, just like last week when, you know, when, remember when Jesus, when you're reading through Mark, he would always tell people, don't tell anybody who healed you. Don't tell them about me. He, he would always, he would withdraw. Now he's going in looking like a Messiah, getting the, uh, the religious leaders all riled up. And now, boy, if they were riled up that day, whoa, this is, this is like a four alarm fire in comparison to what happened the day before. And so what's happening here? Well, what's happening here is, first of all, this is not the first time that Jesus did this. In John chapter 2, right at the beginning of his ministry, right after the wedding at Cana, his first miracle, he went into that, but this was on a different level. He did a cat of nine tails, that's significant. He wrapped around a whip with a cat of nine tails, and he went in and started just telling, hey, everybody, get out of here. This is not how my house was intended to be used. Just like the fig tree. The fig tree is supposed to bear figs. The temple was supposed to bear disciples. And all that it was bearing was money, authority. Look at me, the religious leaders were saying. And the fruit had been long gone. They were nothing but leaves. I don't want that to be said of us. I don't want that to be said of us, that we're nothing but leaves. But what, what was going on here? Why was Jesus so upset about this? After all, this had been a system that had been in place for a long time. Well, the fact is that this was during the time of the Passover. And the Passover, everybody from the known world that were, that were followers of the Jewish faith would come in. And they would observe this. This was one of the three great feasts that were outlined in, in the books of Moses. And so they're, they're coming in at the, at the Passover. Well, some of them come from a long way. And some of them were not rich or even middle class, if there was even a middle class back then. You were either filthy rich or you were filthy poor. There was no in between. And so they're coming in, and it started off, I'm sure, as a convenience, you know, so you don't have to take your bulls and your goats and your pigeons for the sacrifices. We'll provide them for you at a, at a nominal markup, but we'll provide them for you. Oh, and by the way, we will provide a, an ability for you to exchange currency. You know, when you go on a trip and you exchange currency, and it's always beneficial to them, both going and coming, whatever the country is, and you have to exchange the currency. Well, what they started doing in the name of God, What they started doing was charging exorbitant prices, exorbitant rates. It was disgusting what they were doing. And so when we look at this passage, they are, and you see the pigeons? If you couldn't afford a bull or a goat, this was like Mary and Joseph, then they do pigeons. Pigeons. They do pigeons. That's for that was for the poor folk. So they were taking advantage of everybody. If you were rich, it didn't really matter. If you were poor, well that would start to sting, and that would start to stick. You see what's happening? They were being they were starting instead of thinking about what the temple was supposed to be used for and to make it as easy as possible for everybody to get in, they started using it as leverage to make them look good and to and to pad their own pockets. They loved that system, they loved the temple, they loved it all. And we can get there as well. We love our system, we love how things are. And sometimes we we don't want to get to where we're gonna make it as hard for people to come to Jesus as possible. We don't want to compromise, but we also don't want to add extra stuff that's not in the scripture, but maybe part of our system. And what I'm saying about this is that Jesus has a live action teaching going on. And when it says that he was scooting everybody out, it wasn't like, hello guys, would you just please come over here and get out of the way? Thank you. It wasn't like that at all. There there are thoughts that he was grabbing them and horse collaring them and going, yeah, he was not playing around. Because it, it says in John, zeal for your house has consumed me. They were taking the temple that was supposed to represent God and started using it for their own preferences and agendas and traditions. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? But, that, but that's exactly what this is all about. And so he says he starts teaching. He's teaching. So everything that he's doing is not a fly off the handle, out of the control, Ooh. He has, he has a method to his madness here. Is it not written? Well, yes, it's written. Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for, for how much? For who? What to say? Say it. All of what? All the nations. They didn't want that. This is our temple. This is our stuff. We don't want those unclean folk coming in. This is our group. Don't mess with my stuff. That doesn't sound like church people does it at all. You know, Mike Proud, who's our executive director, was talking about a time when he was a a pastor in a small church in Missouri, and they they started a ministry for kids, and, and suddenly there were kids that were getting saved, right? Now, that's a good thing. Kids were getting saved. A little wear and tear on the building, sure, kids getting saved. Families start coming in. He goes to the leadership group expecting them to be all excited. You know what they were more worried about? Well, the, the building's getting a little worn. Preacher. They're messing with our stuff. They were more concerned about that than they were about people going to heaven. Nothing believes. Nothing believes. And we all have to search our hearts because the, there was a... A pastor that was there, and it was great because he preached in Spanish. He spoke in English, but that was not his mother tongue. His mother tongue was Spanish, so he spoke in Spanish because he wanted to make sure that everything came off very clearly. His daughter, um, uh, what's the word? Translated, yes. Words, translated. And so the daughter translated, and you know what he ended up talking about? He ended up talking about the fact that there are two different groups that tend to be in a church. Let me tell you about group number one. The C word for many of us is one particular word, but when it comes to church, the C word is change. This is our church. This is our classroom. This is our this. This is our that. Don't mess with it. More concerned about the condition of the building than they are about the condition of hearts, more concerned about the condition of their stuff than they are about the condition of our neighbors, more concerned about all of this. And then there's the second group. The second group realizes that this is not our church. It's God's church. We are just stewards of it. This is not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. So it's his church. It's his classroom it's it's his this it's not our stuff to mess with it's his stuff to mess with and so when jesus says my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations that's a quoting from isaiah 56 6 and 7 it's talk it's directly quoting it has always been the intention the intention of the temple to be for everybody all the nations It had always been that way. What happened, though? It got to be where, no, they're unclean, we're clean. They're spiritually inferior, we're spiritually superior. We go to church all the time. They don't go to church at all. You know what? All that's just geography. It's about the condition of your heart. You can be geographically in church and as far away and as lost as a goose. And that's a fact because I would say many of you may have a testimony that could bear to that fact. It's not about geography. It's about spirituality. What's your relationship to him? Are you Have you gotten to a point where you're in that second group, it's all about God, it's all about Christ, it's all about his kingdom, and it all belongs to him. I'm just a steward of it. I'm just a conduit of it. Or are you just gonna say, well, I'll just do whatever I want. Boy, I, God's got grace, whatever. No, we've gotta be obedient to what he has called us to do. He's, we've gotta be obedient to what he is saying to this, because again, the religious leaders, they love the temple. We can be ones, are you with me this morning? We can be ones who love church. We love church and all that's about church. Do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus? Do, we, we can love, love this building, but do we love him as the temple? He is the true temple where the glory of God is you can love the scriptures and not obey it you can love the scriptures and still be grumpy you can love the scriptures and still not like people you can love the scriptures and not love your neighbor right so you can read the stuff and so this is god's word that's great where's the change we gotta we gotta absorb change because sometimes change is good that changes the gospel he takes us from self to the Savior. It's change is good. That's, what, that's what's happening. They didn't want it. We've got to be careful that we aren't ones like that. So where's the live action faith? He tells us very quickly in verse 20. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree wither the way to its roots. So before we saw Jesus being a human being, hungry. Now we see that Jesus, by his word, withered a tree that was full of leaves one day and now is completely withered the next. That would mess with me if I saw that. But that's the power of his word. Don't underestimate the power of his word to change. To change you, to change a church, to bring about revival so that all of a sudden now, we're not looking at, this is how I want church. We're looking at, God, what do you want in this church? And then change won't be so scary and so revered. And so, not revered, but resisted. Change won't be so resisted. When you have your eyes on Jesus, change is, that's great. I need to be changed. I know things need to, need to be moving and working. I don't want things to be the old way. I want things to be your way. Embrace it. Don't resist it. But we press on. Peter's like, Rabbi, look. (laughs) What? Withered. You see? That's how it is. And what did Jesus say? Have faith in God. I love that hymn. Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. Oh, my word. Have faith in God. He says. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I need to take a time out here, because I know some of you who are in a bad way right now, or you're in a bad way medically, you're in a bad way financially, you're in a bad way with your family, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're in a bad way, and you're thinking, oh oh, if I pray to God for what I want, he's going to get me out of it because I believe that he can do it. Oh, is that what it means? Here's the thing. God's will for you may be for you to be in that thing right now to teach you some stuff. I guarantee you, I'll just give you a concrete example. At my previous church, I'm gonna be going there about three weeks, getting caught up with some folks preaching at their homecoming. It's gonna be great, I'm warning you, but Wynn's gonna be preaching and it's gonna be fantastic. Please come, I know you will. But he, when I was at my previous church, we were talking about prayer and corporate prayer. And I said, when is the time that usually the church begins to pray the most? And there was this elderly lady who was just shy of 90 and she raised her hand. When things are going bad, right? Hey, when there's a lot of money in the bank and there's a lot of people coming, there's a good spirit in the church and and everything is going the way we like it and all that, we may not pray as corporately because what's to pray about? Everything's great, you know, let's, let's pray for somebody else that's going through stuff. Well, sometimes we need to pray in the midst of our strengths and good times because they're not going to always last. We could be relying on the good times. We could be relying on our circumstances or thinking that if there's a change in our circumstances, then everything will go better. I, how many times have you heard about people who have reached the pinnacle? I heard a story the other day about this country singer who had reached the pinnacle. He had gotten, finally gotten his number one hit. That was what he was striving for. He got it, and he said, and you know what he would probably say, I thought this would do it, and it didn't do it. And so some of you, you're like, if I could just get over this, everything will be great. You don't know that. God may have you right now, and I believe he does have you where he has you right now, to try to teach you something about you and also to teach you about how to rely on him. Because what are we guaranteed in this world? Nothing. We sometimes act entitled, but we're guaranteed nothing. And so when he's saying this, he's saying, and remember when Jesus said, Lord, please take this cup from me in the garden of Gethsemane. But then what was that extra line that was there that he said? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours, thine, King James, you're welcome. But... The, be done. Not my will, but your will. You know, when you come to church, you know what you should be thinking? He must increase, I must decrease. When you approach your life, he must increase, I must decrease. Because we get so to where we are, can be so loving church, like they were loving the temple, they forgot about God. They forgot about their Messiah, that they were supposed to be helping people to get set for. And part of the prayer, because it, 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 the temple was not just to be a house of sacrifice, they thought that, or a house of preaching, which, I mean, I, I dig preaching, but that's not what it was for, exclusively. It was a house of prayer, which convicts me. Are we a people of prayer? Or are we a people that think a lot about prayer, but we've got our system in place. We really don't need to pray about stuff. We got it. I, I can go to school to learn how to do music. I can go to school to learn how to preach. I can go to school to learn how to do a, a Sunday school to teach. I can, go to, I can do all of this stuff. And uh, yeah, Jesus, yeah. Oh, no. See, we missed the point. And this is what's going on here. And so the reason, let's land this plane. Verse 25, whenever you stand praying, what's it say there? Whenever you stand praying, doesn't matter what your version says, it'll say the same thing. Whenever you stand praying, verse 25, what's it say? forgive the reason that we may not be able to move past where we are is because we're not forgiving you may be thinking about a time in our church where the church was decimated where the church was having a hard time you're still holding on to that you're not going to progress in your faith if you're unforgiving somebody may have done something to you when you were a kid you may have gone through a divorce you may have gone through so, so many things. You may have gone through so many things, and, you're, and, 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 and there's somebody there that's still gnawing at you. You will never be able to progress in your faith unless you forgive. Because he's forgiven you as a Christian. Yeah, well, he forgave me, I was easy. Really? We're all a mess. And so we are to be a conduit of his forgiveness moving forward. Some of you may be bothered by the fact that some of your versions may not have verse 26. Most of the manuscripts, early manuscripts, don't. But don't let that bother you. Um, Some of the earliest manuscripts and earliest translations had a verse 26. Because you're wondering, I got math. 25, 27, where's 26? They're taking something out of the Bible. No, they're not. It was just how the manuscripts were, but this truth is still there, and we're verse 26 where it's talking about neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's found in Matthew. There's nothing being taken away. The truths are still there. Don't let it stumble you. Now, if it's, letting you, if it's stumbling you, please call me later. We'll talk about it. But we want to make sure that you're understanding that if you're not forgiving, if you are not forgiving, then you are not forgiven. That's what it says. If you truly understand your sin and you truly understand the need to bear fruit and you're pursuing Jesus with everything that you have, part of that fruit that's going to be there is forgiveness. And some of you are having a hard time. Law of averages. Some of you are really having a hard time forgiving. And believe me, I know exactly where you are. And probably when I get home this afternoon, God's going to remind me of some things that I need to handle. We're all dealing with some stuff. But I'm telling you, that we need to make sure that when we are being a people of prayer and being a house of prayer, we can't just pray sanctimoniously, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. Thank you that I'm so great. We got to dig in and find out, let's get all that stuff that doesn't belong out. And part of that's going to be unforgiveness because the Jews in the temple could, and the religious leaders could not extend forgiveness to the Gentiles. We've got to be very, very careful. So where's your hope? When Jesus was talking about this in John uh, 2, 18 to 22, there's there's a passage there where Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will, in three days, I'll raise it up. Took 46 years to build this Jesus. What are you talking about? Everybody thought Jesus was out of his mind. Jesus was always in control. He always knew what was going on. And he's saying he's the temple. He said this. When he is therefore raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So our hope is not in a building. Church planners would probably disagree because they would love to have a building. That's really, it it means there's some stability there. But hope is not in a building. Our hope is not in a system. Our hope is not in our preferences, and our agendas, our traditions. Our hope is, is not in change. Our hope is not in staying the same. Our hope is in Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we bear fruit. Otherwise, we can have all of those other external things in place and we'd be nothing but leaves. I don't want to be that. I don't think you want to be that either. I think you want to be one where there is fruit being born, to where it's helping you and helping those that are around you. So, Father, I pray that as we move forward this morning, work in us. Are we just leaves blowing in the breeze, but when people begin to look in there, they're not seeing any fruit? We may be a nice person. We may be one who pays our taxes, have never have never uh, cheated on our spouses. We may be really good dads, and we may be really good moms, and we may be great business people that have gotten everything together, and people look at us and say, wow, I wish I could be more like you And we could still be just nothing but leaves. Where's Jesus in all of this? Where's your son? Father, the time has come for us to get on our faces before you and say, I've had enough of me. Not in a dire way, but when we say that, we say, I'm going to deny myself and I'm ready to take up my cross and I'm ready to follow you come what may. I don't want to be like the temple nothing but leaves, caring nothing about the people that we're supposed to love, caring nothing about the people that aren't a part of us yet. In fact, sometimes looking down on them because they don't share our religious views, political views, whatever views they are from a different part of the country. We put so many barriers up. Lord, Lord, Thank you for your word that reminds us that you've taken away those barriers and from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation will be gathering around your throne to worship you, to adore you, to throw their crowns at your feet. And Lord, I want a little taste of that now. Heaven on earth. So deal with us, Lord. If there's some that need to trust Christ as Lord and Savior, we sometimes think, if I get my circumstances straight, everything will be good. No, you'll still be you. We'll we'll still be us, but you'll still be you. And you will be the one to come and to make us realize that we can have everything in this earth. But if we don't have you, we have nothing. But if we have you and nothing on this earth, then we have everything. Help us, Lord, to be ones who are bearing fruit, connected to the vine. Help us, Lord, to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Some of you, when you've, you've you've heard this passage, and you may be like, I, I'm one, am I am I bearing any fruit? I may be saying all the right stuff and doing all the right stuff, but is Jesus really my Lord and Savior? Is He really front and center in my life? He didn't go by the back door and sneak in; He was right out front on the cross may we go through the front door and say, Jesus, here I am. You may have been a member of this church for a long time. Doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. What that means is is that we need, He's given us an opportunity to come to Him. So if you've never trusted in Christ, this is the morning. If you have trusted in Christ, but you feel yourself drifting, it all starts with a drift, then I pray that you would come and you can use these steps as an altar of prayer and pour yourself out to God saying, Lord, this day, this hour, this minute, I'm giving my all to you. I'm rededicating myself. I don't want to be nothing but leaves anymore. Help me to bear fruit for the cause of you. Let's stand together as we sing. What are we